Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. Today is a deep dive day, so get ready. Get your pens and paper, pens and paper, yes, plural, and take notes because I'm going to give you a way to look at something and some tools that can help you actually get more done and have more enjoyment. So I'm going to talk about the two types of focus, two types of focus. There's going to be soft focus, hard focus, and force. And I'm going to talk about play, recovery, and rest. Those are going to be our concepts that we're going to work on today. Okay. So here's the thing. I use puzzles as a metaphor all the time, especially when I'm coaching clients and I talk about how, you know, if two people don't get along, it's not that one person's bad and one person's good. It's just, it's not the right fit. The, the, it's like two pieces in a puzzle don't fit. I have not done a puzzle since the 20th century. So sometime in the nineties possibly. And I remember doing them growing up. Well, anyways, over the holidays, uh, some good friends of ours gave us a puzzle, a Yosemite puzzle, I think of half Dome. And I started getting frustrated last weekend because it was Sunday and I was a bit exhausted and I wanted to rest and watch some television, but I got a little frustrated just like sitting and I was like, oh, but what can I do? And then all of a sudden I thought a puzzle, I have that puzzle. Let's break it out. And my husband looked at me and goes, you're really going to start that. It's a thousand pieces. And I go, yeah. And so I started and I organized it and I have a way that I like to do puzzles or I have a way I used to like to do puzzles in a different century. And I like to make the outside first. And so I you know, and get, have all the straight edges. So all I did for probably an hour was sort the puzzle pieces. It was pretty tedious. I had the TV going. I was watching some lame show that I was just trying to clear off my TV DVR. Actually, I wasn't watching a lame show, but I was watching, I was just trying to declutter my TVR, but also do stuff. And so here I am at the dining room table doing this and separating them out right And it. And I had some doubts. I'm like, huh, this is going to be quite a lot. And I'm starting this on a Sunday night. But I did that and I started playing with the puzzle and I started thinking about this puzzle is a metaphor for life. I've been using it with my clients for years and this puzzle has taught me so much in this week and I wanted to share it here with you today. So I want to share this concept of soft focus and hard focus. When you have soft focus, you're going about doing something, your brain opens up, you can see patterns and you see textures right? And it's much more like playing. So that what that looks like in this puzzle is, you know, again, I, I don't even really can't tell you what the puzzle is, right? Because it, it, I do believe it now that I think about it, it is Half Dome, it's at Yosemite, or it's one of the peaks. But I've been looking at the different shapes and the different colors and the patterns. And often like I couldn't figure out where this one chunk would go because I couldn't see it on the picture because they were just different. They're not different, but when you take a little bit of it. So I just had the soft focus. I was like, okay, well, what can I, what are the things that are maybe like, and I'd put them together and I put them together. 
And when I wasn't attached to an outcome, it was just flowing and it was going to be what it was. And then here's the thing, because this is what we do as overachievers. It's like, oh, when it start getting a little bit of success, oh, well, I heard the back of my voice say, but Corinne, you could get this done right away. Maybe it's not going to take a month. Maybe it's not going to take several months. Maybe you can get it done in a week, right? And that overhyping to get it done, I don't know why, was starting to create me having a hard focus. And then I was like adamant that I had to get this one piece, this absolute one piece in there. And I looked and I looked and I looked and I started getting more frustrated and I kept looking and kept looking. And, you know, as I get more tired and I was doing this, I started to get really frustrated and there was drama that was starting to happen in my mind because of course, this is the circumstance, me can't finding that one piece. And what do you, what does my brain like to make all this mean? And that's a great question that we can always ask ourselves when you don't get the results that you want. Maybe you have a goal and, you know, we just came off the end of the year and we're starting a new year. And maybe when you looked at that goal and you didn't achieve it, what did you make that mean about yourself? That's where we get into really dangerous territories because that's when we stop being our own best friend. We beat ourselves up. We get frustrated. We want to quit. So I started the puzzle on Sunday and it was pretty fun and, you know, kind of frustrating, but fun. And then separating out and making some of the border and actually going further along than I had. And then Tuesday night when I was working on it a bit, I started getting frustrated. It was like hopeless. I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. This is a really hard puzzle. I can't even see how these pieces integrate into the overall picture. And that was the start, the beginning of the toxicity in my brain over a puzzle. And there was a point, I think it was Wednesday night where I'm like, I just want to quit. I don't think this is going to happen. I couldn't make anything work. And I was trying really, really hard. I was working really hard. I was like, no, I can't get up until I at least get one piece. Right. And, and I just kept, I was like, I have to find this one piece, this one piece of the puzzle. It has to make it work. And I kept trying to put it in, kept trying to put it in and it wasn't fitting. And then my brain, it was so fascinating to watch my brain over a puzzle. But my friend, we do this all the time. We do this in our relationships. We do this in jobs. We do this with our colleagues, right? Where we're trying to make something work and we're really working hard. And then when we don't get the results that we want, we make it mean something bad about ourselves or something bad about the outcome. And that's where we have to stop because that doesn't help. So as I'm watching my brain go that way, I'm like, Corinne, just soft focus. Let's go back to soft focus. This is fun. This is your play. And allowing myself to go and play, which is, you know, not my better at it than I was years ago, but there's always more room for improvement because I understand intellectually how important play is. I understand how important it is for me to take a break, let my brain juice rest, you know, or do this in the evening when there isn't any more brain juice left in my brain and have some enjoyment and like figure things out because I love to solve problems. That's just, I love it. And I forgot how much I love puzzles until I started breaking it open this week because the story in my head has always been, you're really busy. Who has time for that? And when my kids were really little, like, of course I couldn't leave a puzzle on the dining room table for a few months. But now I can because my kids are grown and they're not going to come and knock it off. And that's something I can go back to. And I occasionally go in and spend five minutes and I just fiddle around with it. And then I get up and I go back and do my thing. It might be a place where I take breaks during the day 
Or when I get home at night, I might go and do a few pieces and it's fun, but it's about keeping it in soft focus and reminding myself over and over, Corinne, this is play. This is for enjoyment. And then watching myself get a bit of success and get some pieces together and then get really, really determined where I, then I dial up that perseverance And I'm adamant that I have to find that piece before I can get up. And then I can't find it and I can't see it and I can't see other things and I get frustrated. And we do this. And this is really the flow of what happens in our work days. This is the flow what happens in our in our lives and our relationships, right? We go from these different arenas of soft focus to hard focus. And when we do that, there's a cost to ourselves and we need to pay attention to that. So I'd have to go back and remind myself, Corinne, this is play. This is fun. And sometimes I would say, okay, one more piece and then I'm up and out or, you know, it's okay if I don't find a piece right now, I can come back to it. And having that to just juxtapose the work I was doing this week and, you know, all the stuff that I've got going on of just stepping in for five minutes, 15 minutes and playing a little bit and then going back into doing work or going to bed last night you know, doing that has been really a great experience for me and a great reminder. And that's why I wanted to share it with you all about having soft focus and hard focus. We really want to have the soft focus because soft focus allows our brain to open up. And while we've been culturally programmed to work harder, do more, to be more, that's actually not how it happens. We want to work hard. We want to have deep focus. We want to be committed. And then we need to go back and rest because we're not machines. So play is that critical component. And for me to give myself permission, especially this week to say, Hey, you can do this. And it doesn't have to get done this week, even though that overachiever voice, you know, that's in the back of your head is saying, Oh, wouldn't that be cool? Like for what reason? you know, and the other side is I'm having so much fun at it. I was like, Oh, do I want to start over? No, I like being in the middle of the struggle of the puzzle versus the beginning. And then when it's, when the puzzle is done, I know I'm going to be sad, right? Because it's going to be over, but I like the middle of it, like figuring it out and how fun it is. So allowing myself to have the soft focus, allowing myself to take breaks or to do this in the evenings and to have enjoyment, this be my play and have some fun. That's huge because again, in our world, it's like, no, we must work more because if we work more, that is our status symbol that we are worthy, which is all one big fat lie. And here's another reason why, and I've come to learn this and, and I can still slide back in my old ways. I just keep working harder, right? Cause that's the way we're culturally programmed, but in athletics. So y'all know I'm a swim coach and in the 21st century, how we do swimming, which is still a, a, a very much a grinding sport. There's a lot of training. There's deep commitments. It's a 50 weeks season, but we've changed some of our principles. Yes. You know, we do the two practices a day and we have six days a week. I mean, it's still very much, I call it a blue collar sport, but you need white collar funds, right? It's a six day a week sport. And you have to do this work. And, and some people think it's kind of crazy. But the other side of it that's really transpired in the sport of swimming in this century is this idea of rest and recovery and how important they are as parts of the training. We call it the invisible training. 
in knowing that that rest is really, really important because that's when your body can heal. That's when your, you know, your brain can assimilate what was been going on. And I give you that as a reason, if you can be a high level athlete and know that it's so important to sleep and to have recovery and to have days off, it's also the same for us who are in the non-athletes. I'm no longer an athlete. I'm a non-athlete, but how much brain juice do I really have capacity for? And what, what are the things that are really high priority and what are the things that aren't? And I really use this throughout my day of knowing like, okay, things that require a lot of creative energy, a lot of leadership energy. I have to preserve my energy for those events. And then things that are more mundane that don't need a whole lot of brain juice, don't need a whole lot of energy. I can do those later in the day when I'm more tapped out. So I used to start out my day, I was like answering emails, you know, doing all this busy work. And sometimes I can slide into that. I'm not perfect. We're not trying to be perfect, but I'm trying to be real or I'm being real. But instead of doing that, now I'm really deliberate of, okay, I am primed. I am ready to go. What are the things that are most important? Actually, I've already made that decision because of how I structure my time. Now I know like, okay, these are high capacity brain juice items and I'm going to be high capacity brain juice. doesn't always work out that way because remember this is real. This is real life, but that's what I really work towards doing. And I do that because I understand how important rest and recovery are. And I've given myself permission and I've tested it out over the years of playing right now with this idea of the puzzle, this is a new form of playing for years. I would talk about how coffee dates were my version of playing. I love connecting with people and talking with people and being with my friends, going for a walk or exercise can be play too. reading a book. That's not a nonfiction. I like to read those nonfiction books and really grow and learn, but also just reading something that's for fun. Watching television can be a version of play. And then I notice when I hit a saturation point and what are the other things and the puzzle has become that. Sometimes decluttering can be play for me or organizing my closet or, you know, doing that kind of stuff is actually play for me. And I just have to check in. So know that play is really important and that we can have a soft focus. Something else that's really important about this rest and recovery, because if you're like, okay, Corinne, I'm still not buying it. Like when we talk about athletic performance again, in the human body and what it's potentially capable of, the brain science has shown that athletes, after they sleep, their athletic performance is 20 to 30%. I'm going to say that again, 20 to 30% better than it was the previous day at the end of their training because their body is rested, their mind is rested. And in that sleep, in that downtime, it may have seemed like you were doing nothing or the athlete was doing nothing, but the body is rehealing and the brain is assimilating what the body learned. And it's reminding itself and it's going over those steps and there's learning that's happening. So as you sit here and say, oh, but Karina puzzle, This week, I learned so much about life by doing this puzzle. And it reminded me about how important play was, how important having a soft focus is, and how easy I can get frustrated when I have a hard focus, when I'm really attached to that outcome. I have to get it done. And really, when you think about it, why? Why did it have to get done in that moment? 
And it was really my ego saying it needed to be done because then if you got it done, it would prove something. But really, what am I proving? It's a puzzle. Notice the same stories come up, whether it's, again, job performance, a goal that you may want to achieve, or doing a puzzle. It's how we're wired. It's what we do. And then if you can create that awareness and watch your brain and watch the stories that are driving you on how you're supposed to act and how you're feeling, then you can go, wait a second. Is that really true? Does this puzzle need to get done today? And I kept giving myself permission over and over this week to say, Hey, look, I can enjoy this. This is fun. I like putting it together. And today I've hit the point where there's a connection in the middle of the puzzle from the left side to the right side. Well, there's a couple pieces that aren't still there. And, and it's fun to see like, holy moly, I, I had just put in this group that I had no idea. I thought it was water for the longest time. And it's actually not water. It's shade and it's tree branches. Cause remember it's Yosemite. And I had no idea that's where it went. I couldn't see it. And so sometimes when we're going through something and we're so close to it, we can't understand why it's happening or why we're going through it until later we put it together. And then you can see the bigger picture. And this puzzle is such a huge metaphor for life. So I give you that like I used to say often that our lives are classroom, right? Our life is a classroom. There's so much learning that can be done. And if you can sit there as a compassionate observer, where you can take off the blinders, you're not in a place of fear, you're not in a place of shame, but you can be compassionate and be curious and watch in fascination, watch the shit shows that happen in the back of your brain because they happen. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is happening. I'm starting to feel tense. And is that really worth it over a puzzle? And we can apply this to all aspects of our life. Maybe you're having a conversation with somebody. Maybe you're, you're saying, Hey, I listened to that say yes to courageous conversation and I'm having it. And now I'm feeling all this anxiety and tension, Corinne. Thanks a lot. But just notice, are you attached to this other person saying yes to whatever it is that you're talking about or agreeing to what you had to say? Or are you allowing yourself to show up and letting them show up and you're part of this conversation and willing to be courageous and knowing that there is bravery, but you don't have to be attached to the outcome. It's that attachment to outcome that can trigger us so much. And then it creates that hard focus. We're totally focused and like my hands get tight because we get graspy, right? And this was over a puzzle piece but we do this. Like, I know that you understand when I'm talking about courageous conversations and it can be in a relationship. It can be with a friendship. It can be in a work environment. Having this courageous conversations are so challenging because we can be attached to the outcome. And oftentimes that outcome is how is the other person perceiving us? Because how we get perceived can be our shame triggers. How do you want to be perceived? How do you want to be perceived? And how do you not want to be perceived? Both of them can be shame triggers. And so like, for again, in my head, I think my brain was thinking, oh, you better get this puzzle done because then your story will be, look at me. I'm such a badass. I got the puzzle done in a week. Bring on the thousand piece of puzzles. But really, this is a play thing. I don't need a timeline. I have plenty of deadlines in my life and I don't need that voice to tell me that it's going to, I guess I don't need to attach to that voice. That's going to tell me that because the whole purpose of the puzzle is just to figure out how the pieces come together and it's fun. And it's a great reminder for me 
in all the arenas of my life that the obstacles are just pieces of a puzzle. And it's about figuring out how to put them together to have cohesiveness, to be able to overcome the obstacle of not understanding, not knowing. And I love obstacles and I love problems to solve, except when I'm in the problem often, because then I can make it mean that, of course, there's something wrong with me. Notice how we can go from wanting to be our own best friend to then being our biggest enemy. And we need to be our own best friend where we can say, okay, what can I learn from this? Oh my gosh, look at, yay you, Corinne, you were able to figure this out and put this together and you had this piece and it was over, not this piece, but you had this group of pieces together. You thought it went over here and actually it went over there. Look at that. Or I had some pieces that were in the wrong place and I probably put them in when I was in hard focus. I was like, this is going to fit. I'm making it, pushing it in. And then I realized today as I was taking some out that that was the wrong piece. And as soon as I moved that, I was able to put the correct piece in. And then there was a flow that happened. How often do we do that in our lives? We push, we push, we push. We're like, no, I'm going to make it happen. And we make it so much harder. We get so exhausted because we have that hard focus. We're really graspy. Oprah used to say when she had her, her television show, she said, yeah, you know, the universe, it, it, it communicates to you in whispers. And if you're not paying attention at some point, the brick drops on your head. <laughs> and I used to laugh. I was like, I'm so hard headed. The brick drops on my head. I'm like, okay, so what? That's not inconvenient. I'm strong. I'm capable. I'm tough. And I was like, okay, lots of bricks jump on my head. No, not a big deal. I'm the person who goes through the brick wall, comes out the other end, battered and beaten. And I'm like, wait, it's not a problem. I'm still standing, right? So I hard focus. I get that peripheral vision. I can't see what's going on, but man, that's when my strengths become my weakness. That's when my ability, my value of persevering becomes my weakness because I've got that hard focus. It's like, I have to get it because... And why do I have to get it? I don't know if you followed this, but the reason I have to get it accomplished is to then prove my worthiness. You all, I'm trying to prove my worthiness with the puzzle that until I told you all about it, you didn't even know I was doing because I wasn't posting it on Facebook. My family knew I was doing it. No, I'm a bit obsessed about it, right? Like every time I have a break, I'm willing to go sit down and, and do it. Five minutes here, 15 minutes there. It's been a good little play thing for me. But nobody's known this except now I've shared it with you. And the other great news that I love is I'm not done, but I can share the story with you so that you can take this lesson and go apply it into your own life. And how are you showing up with soft focus and hard focused in the different arenas in your life? And how do you show up? How do you react when you have hard focus? How do you react when you have soft focus? And are you a person who gives yourself play? My hunch is you're probably really productive because that's who my people are. And it's like, oh, you're probably washing the dishes, driving the car, maybe at the gym, listening to me. I know some people, you know, we vacuuming, listening to me, right? But how often do you give yourself that time to just play, to do something that seems so not productive, but there's so much value. There's so much value in this puzzle. It is fun. It is fun to play. It's fueling me, but it's not something where, you know, I'm reading something that's highbrow reading or I'm helping one of my clients, right? It's something that I'm just playing with. But by doing that, I wouldn't have thought last Sunday that by doing this puzzle, I'd be doing a podcast about it five days later. I didn't think about that. 
But what I've done is that because I've played, because I can continue to go back to being compassionate and opening up that peripheral vision, I've learned so much. And then I share this story here with you. So I invite you go and play, have a soft focus. Notice when you get into that hard focus, which is different than a deep focus. A deep focus is when you're and you're in and you're in that flow state. A hard focus is when you are trying to make it happen and you're grinning and bearing it. And by all of you, it's going to happen. You will make it happen. Even if that means you put the wrong piece with the other piece, because it's going to happen. Damn it. That's the kind of energy that's hard focus. That's what I'm talking about. Soft focus and deep focus are great because when we go in and we can get into that flow state and you're in there and you're, you're just being, and you're like, wow, you're learning and it's fun. And notice when you get into hard focus and notice the voices in the back of your head, are you going to listen to them? Or are you going to sit there in fascination and say, of course they're saying that, but what's my goal? What do I want from this right now? And again, it can be with that courageous conversation that you're having, reminding yourself, what's my intention with this conversation? Is it for them really to say, oh, Corinne, of course you're right. I'm wrong. You know, yeah, that would be lovely for our ego, but that's probably not in the direction of what we're really after when we're having courageous conversations. Cause we don't want to put somebody's back against the wall. We don't want them just to be defeated and for us to power over them. So go out, practice soft focus and see how that goes and give yourself permission to play. My friend, you know that your voice matters. It matters to me. And so we're going to do two things here. We're going to one practice on your voice mattering and you owning your voice. And the other is preserving your brain juice. So the first thing I want you to go do is share your voice, leave a review of the show on iTunes tell me what you love. Tell me why you're here. Your voice matters. And the second thing, if you haven't done it already, preserve your brain juice by making sure you hit the subscribe button and you're subscribed to the show. I'm smiling big for you. I can't wait to give you a shout out on the show in the future. Until next time. On a lake, she is dreaming. She is drifting. Never been so. Sold-